Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. ARCHICAD is the official BIM software of the Entree Architect community. ARCHICAD BIM software enables design, collaboration, visualization, and project delivery no matter the project size or complexity. With flexible licensing options and a dedicated support team to guide us along the way, ARCHICAD is an ideal choice for firms and projects of any size. I encourage you to reach out and talk to the folks at Graphisoft by visiting our own dedicated webpage at graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. There's even an exclusive special offer waiting for our Entree Architect community. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. That's graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Chris Previtt, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Uh, happy to be here. It's great to have you here. Chris, Chris is the owner of Success Techniques Incorporated. With more than 20 years of experience, Chris has been providing residential remodeling, feasibility studies, estimating, planning, contract writing, all of that stuff since 2001. He has completed more than 400 successful projects and he's a licensed contract, uh, contract construction supervisor and a licensed real estate salesperson based in the state of Massachusetts. 
Um, today we're going to talk about estimating and sort of the all the things around estimating and how uh, residential architects can put together their own estimate, but also what can they do to to be a good client to a residential estimator. When you when you bring on a, rest of, a residential estimator to your team, how does that work as well? So we're going to sort of go all over the place, sort of keep everything at a sort of high level, but uh, but but talk about estimating. I think it's one of those things that architects. Uh, are constantly asking for of of how do we do this? How do we make sure that we manage the client's expectation uh, around what their project is going to cost? So, Chris, welcome. I, I appreciate yeah, you for you. coming by here. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, let's let's start where I start every episode with your origin story. Go back to when you discovered your passion for what you do, and and who or what inspired you to get started. Sure. Um, so I have a degree in media communications. In the first 10 years of my career, I, uh, I worked with a video production company and ended up the general manager. So I kind of had a head for business and graduated from the technical side uh, to the client, you know, client side and the administration side. Then um, uh, I moved on to work with a company. We produced large corporate events. So what we did was we built environments for corporations to pitch their projects to large audiences, sometimes you know thousands of people, and we would design the environment uh, and help them produce that event. Um, then, in two thousand one, uh, September eleventh, uh, corporations stopped putting people on airplanes to go to these events. Mm, yeah, so, I remember uh, that time. So it was crazy. So I went from doing you know uh, shows that uh, shows that were in the you know hundreds of thousands of dollars for emc and other big major corporations to having very very little in the market to respond to so i started a small consulting business called success techniques and what i did was i took some of the management protocols that i had uh, developed for the very uh, high-paced intense real-time business of live event production and i started helping small businesses mapping their business processes and helping them to organize themselves and how, helping the small business owner who was buried create some systems and some ways of managing their flow every day. One of my good clients was a contractor. I started working with him to develop a scheduling system. I'm kind of an Excel guru person. So we built some tools. And at one point he asked me, uh, would you like to guy, we worked together for about a year doing consulting. And he said, would you like to go out and look at some work? My salesperson really isn't up to snuff. And I said, well, I said, I know enough about this to go out and, and initiate some calls. So that's how I got into this business. I had a very good client who I loved. We got along great. We did a lot of good work together. And I've always done outside sales. And he said, you know, would you like to join me and do some of that? Uh, so that's how it started. And then, um, you know, I learned a tremendous amount from him. He was a very talented, uh, very talented person. And then uh, consequently, I got a license to uh, practice construction supervision in Massachusetts. And, um, and that's where I am. Uh, that's where I am today. And um, I have a, a, a number of clients. I have one major client that I do a lot of work for and a few other clients and some architects that I consult with. And so 20 years in, um, this is who I am and what I do. And um, I enjoy it. I really enjoy working on the front end and helping people come up with uh, taking their ideas of what they think they need and then helping them develop, um, you know, some real some real plans working with designers because I'm not a designer, but working with designers to then fashion a plan and approach and something that may work for them. So you work with both sides. You work with direct with with uh, 
consumers, people who want to do work, as well as working with uh, architects, designers, contractors, and, and consulting with them as well. Yes. So, so what happens a lot of the time is I'm, I'm uh, on the contractor side. Um, I'm the first person that meets the client. So the, an inquiry comes into the company. I call them and I initiate the, initiate the relationship and then go from there. Um, with architects, quite often, uh, they have already met with their client. They have maybe a concept or an initial plan. And so then they will share with me that plan pictures, you know, um, and it will have a conversation. And then what I'll do is I'll help them with some, um, excuse me, some initial estimating so that they can set expectations with their client early on in the process. So they don't get too far down the planning uh, that uh, the, the budget, uh, the budget reality is out of line. Right. And so you sort of help them get those those early stages figured out, right? Building some processes, making sure that the questions they're asking those early those clients early on are the right questions, getting the right information so the rest of the project runs pretty smoothly. Yes. Yeah, so set those expectations. And also um, also it's a matter of kind of ringing out whether this person is a prospect for you or not. Because, you know, sometimes you get into it, you, you start working down, working through the process, and you realize that it's not really going to be a good fit, but you've already somewhat invested into it, and the client may be somewhat invested into it. So some of what I do up front, particularly with the contractors, because I'm, I'm starting at that point, is, um, you know, really try to ring out, you know, who they are and what they're going to be, what they're going to be like to work with. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a, somebody say to me once, you know, I think you're interviewing me as much as I'm interviewing you. And I said, yes, that's true. That's we, exactly have to see right. that, we have to see that it's going to be a good fit. Right, right. So you have a very specific process that you go through that you share with with architects when you're working with them at that early stage. Do you want to you want to walk through that that process, that that client profile process? Sure. I mean, and, and what it is really, this is a process I use with um, I use with prospects in general. So, so if, a, if an architect is already working with someone and they're already uh, at that point, then, you know, this part of the process, it, there's nothing I can do at that point, right. what's already established. But if you'd like, I can tell you the process I use. Yeah, I'd love that. They yep. may apply to what, to what architects do when they initially uh, meet somebody. Um, so, you know, the first question I always ask is how they found us because referrals are great and we always want the opportunity to thank uh, the folks that have um, that have referred that person to us. And you want to um, and you want to see what's working, right? Because sometimes it's not a referral. Sometimes it comes from some other place, right? Yes. You keep getting those, though, that answer, right? I, that person keeps referring me or or that your website or that's your social media, Instagram handle is yes. where I found you. And you keep hearing that over and over again then you know those are the areas that are working. And, and to track that so that if you are investing, you are investing in online uh, advertising of any sort or however, or, or where are you putting your time in, uh, you know, to get to, to get inquiries, then yep. yes, yep. certainly. Um, so what, are, then, what are some of the other questions you ask? About, about well, I ask, I always ask right out of the gate is the anticipated timeline. Because a lot of the time, people's expectations are not in line with what the process will take. Right. And Everybody's anxious and wants it done, you know, yesterday. So yeah, we can thank HGTV for that. 
Yeah. Oh, I can do a whole kitchen in uh, three yeah. weeks, and it's right. only going to be thirty thousand dollars. So just, uh, just go to Disney World, and we'll renovate your whole house. <laughs> so yes, and that uh, so we have to overcome that for sure. And so I, I always ask about the timeline because with the contractors I work with, you know, we kind of know how far out we are, and I want to set that expectation right up front. Um, sometimes that may preclude us from from looking at the project but i'd rather know that then you know than, yes, than spend yep. the time um and also completion date because once i can get an idea of what i think the project is i can give them an idea what the running time may be yep. um, so we get that out of the way uh, the, one of the the big questions i ask is are you considering moving versus remodeling because sometimes and more often not more often than not but pr pretty regularly um this is the exercise. People are looking at their home and saying, you know, I have some ideas. Can we, we love the area. Can we make this home what we want for, for capability and, and flow and, and make it comfortable um, rather than move? However, we want to see what that's going to be. So then we can make a more educated decision, whether we, you know, tell the realtor to, to go full time and really look for a place for us. So I asked that um, because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to waste a lot of time with folks that are really doing that comparison. And if they are doing that comparison, I can offer them right. um, a fairly cost-effective feasibility study, then I'll help them. But it's, but it's, it's only, it's a, it's a paid consultation. At right. that. You want to know that um, up front. Right. I, I need to know that. And then what functionality are you trying to gain? So what's working, what isn't, you know, how many kids and what do you need for space? And what do you think you need for space? And let's talk about that. Um, uh, do you think that we can we can reconfigure your existing space or do we are we going to have to add on, actually add square footage to your home or a combination of both? Um, how long have you been thinking about remodeling? You know, if it's somebody that's been thinking about it for many, many years versus someone who just came up with the idea recently, kind of gives me a little inside, you know, feel for, um, you know, where I might take them. Um, and if you remodel, how long are you uh, anticipating staying in your home? And, and that question is based on, you know, the cost versus value guides. And people say, well, you know, I'm going to invest in the home. I said, well, how long are you staying? They'll say, well, three to five years. And it might seem counterintuitive from somebody who is representing remodeling services, but I'll tell them, don't do it. Don't put two hundred thousand dollars in a home. You're going to leave in three or four years. You know you're going to leave a uh, you're going to leave much too much on the table. You know is this a matter of your kids are going to grow up here, maybe go off to college, come back and haunt you for a little while? You know is this a ten to fifteen year play anyway? Yeah. That's kind of what you want to be thinking about with these type of investments. Otherwise, from an investment standpoint, it, it's just not going to be worth it. You're yeah. going to leave too much on the table. And you're building um, you're building trust with your client with that question as well. Yes. Because if if you give them that answer that you know this is probably not worth your investment, um, yeah. they respect that, right? They they see that that you're being honest with them, and if they do decide they're going to remodel, now you have some trust in the bank. And if they do move, then when they refer you, they say, you know, they they with that referral, it comes with that trust. The trust is transferred to the referral, and so that's a really yes. important question. Yeah, and that's where, you know, I look at it as, uh, you know, I, I'm really helping people and making a recommendation to what they might do. Not the specifics of the design. I leave that to designers and architects, but at least 
a general direction to say, hey, does this make sense or not? Right. Um, and then I can, you know, based on that input, um, I can make some suggestions. I can give them some ballpark pricing uh, right then and there, usually. You know, uh, I'll give them an idea where I think they're headed budget wise and see if that's even makes sense for them. Is that a uh, gut, just a gut number from experience to sort of, yes. this is the, the ballpark of what they want to do? This is the ballpark from experience of what something like that costs. Um, yes, and I have you know I have models for different types of structures and how much per square foot, and but it ranges. You know, it's a little alchemy because a small a small addition is X a foot, but the bigger you go, you do right. better. You pick up cost. So there's a there's a little bit of yes, there's some baselines, but it's really uh, some of it is feel and just giving them an idea right. where I think. And these questions are these are all part of your phone call, right? You haven't My even first visited the call. site yet. My first phone call is any, I tell folks it's going to be at least a half hour, could be an hour. Most of them are an hour. And we have the benefit nowadays of getting on LinkedIn or Zillow, and I can see the house quite often. Yeah. Uh, if it isn't too, if it hasn't turned uh, too, you know, too soon, if it's turned soon, then there's a whole array of pictures to me for me to look at. Um, so what I do ahead of time, just I, I should preface this, um, I will go to, uh, I will go to um, Zillow or Redfin ahead of the call. I will look at the inquiry and see what they've asked for. And then I look at the house and I'll actually kind of visualize and plot out a little estimate before I even call them where I've given it some thought and I have yeah. some things that I can offer. Um, and so that's usually where I, where I start. Um, and then, you know, if we've gotten to that point, you know, I, I've given them an idea. They haven't gasped and, and <laughs> they haven't hung up on you yet. They haven't fallen off their chair. <laughs> I say, OK, you know, let's go a little further. So if if you think at the end of this conversation that, you know, I should come out, you know, then here's some things that you can look into a, a mortgage plot plan. They're not entirely accurate, but usually that's enough for me to look at. And quite often I'll ask for folks to send me that ahead of time. And if it's not in scale, I put it on my copy machine a percent at a time and I get it to scale. And now I have, you know, that with my engineering ruler, I can actually look at their ideas on site and see if it's even feasible without a variance. Um, a mortgage plot plan, um, I'll ask them to call the town and get their setback requirements. And people are very eager to do it. And I tell them, I look at many properties a week. I said, I, I can't unfortunately do the research for every client, but you can call the building department, give me your address, they'll give you the setbacks. If I have your setback requirements and I have a plot plan, you know, now when I get there, I can at least get an idea whether we're close or not. Um, so, so that's something I ask the clients to do, to send me before the meeting. And then I have a few other things, you know, I like to know what type, these are the things that affect the price, I think, as far as uh, finishes, yep. what type of siding is on the house, what type of heat they have, and then do they have sewer or septic? Um, because if they're considering bedrooms, right. I need to know that. And, uh, and, right. if and you're also, on, if you're on septic, then there's whole, there's some limitations to what you can build. And yeah, can we add, can we add a bedroom or not? And a lot right. of the time they'll, they'll know how many bedrooms septic they have a document and I tell them you can call the board of health and they'll tell you. So we need to know that. Also, I want to know where the septic is located because depending on if you want to build something, I need to know, right. Hey, is it in the way or not? Um, so if we've gotten to that point, 
you know, where we think we may be a fit and the budget seems like it's in, in reason for them, then I will, um, then I'll ask these other questions. It's good information to me to have ahead of time. Um, and then I, I do some sales work. Yeah. How many other folks are you talking to? Have you had any meetings yet? Um, and, and get an idea when the people tell me, Oh, we we're talking to seven or eight contractors. I'll say, great. Well, when you're through about six, why don't you try me back again? Yeah. So, uh, so that type of thing just, and also what's very important, um, for contractors is have you worked with anyone before? How did it go? I want to try to flesh out whether they have someone in their pocket and they're just trying to get some other numbers to keep them right. honest. Right. You know, um, so that's, you know, that's, that's basically it. And then I'll, I'll explain the process at that point, you know, yes. Okay. Makes sense. Let's put a meeting on the books. I'll come out and see you. If it goes well, then we can tentatively book a meeting to sign on a planning retainer. And we'll line all that up. And if you decide you don't want to work with us after that, that's fine too. But, you know, here's the process moving forward. Should you want to work with us? And then that's it. We, we close, you know, we close the call and it's either we're booked for a meeting or we're not. And the meeting is free. You're not charging for that. that yeah. So what I, what I do is this, I offer people a couple different options. One is I'm more than happy to come out, maybe spend up to an hour. I'll help you visualize. I'll give you some ballparks. I may send you a very brief little email follow-up. If you want to go deeper, um, I do charge. And it's a it's a feasibility study. And I will spend two to three hours with them. And I might even pull out my graph paper in eighth scale and just see if something could work. Give, yeah. Try to give an idea. I'm not anything I publish or give to them. Just something so I can see whether is this, am I, am I proposing something that can actually be done? Um, so I, I'll charge for that and varying degrees of how, how far they want to go. Um, ball, ball, ballpark, are you willing to share how much you charge for something like that? Yeah, so an initial feasibility study, I'll charge 350 Okay. Up for a couple hours of my time on site and a little more time back in the office to write yep. it up. Um, pretty well thought out, uh, well written, a description of what we're going to do. Um, and um, a lot of folks go for that because they're like, I, I really want to take the time. Yeah. To, to see yeah. if this works. And it's a, you know, I, I tell them it's a nominal, it's a nominal amount for the amount of time I put in, but it, it's something. And that way, you know, it justifies me really digging in with them. Right. And they value what you provide then as well, because they paid for it. So they perceive it as more valuable. Yes. Yes. And, and the truth is I, I do. I put in a fair amount of time at that point, yeah. you know, um, and, um, and, you know, what happens, um, you know, fairly often is it results in them deciding to move, but that's the service they bought, you know, and sometimes it results in, in yeah. a project that I can work with contract. And even if they moved the $350 is an investment to know that it's, you should move. It's worth every penny to know that that's the right decision. And, and that's what people tell me, you know, they follow up with me and say, thank you. And I'm very good. I couldn't, no one else offered me anything like this. And, um, and uh, they're very appreciative of it. And for me, you know, I, I took the time to help them. I'll give you an example. Prior, younger, when I was earlier in the career, I never thought of that. And people would call me and say, hey, Chris, great news. We found a beautiful property. We're going to move instead. And I'd be like, hey, that's, that's great. I'm glad I could help you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the three weeks worth of work. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, yeah. probably eh, three or four hours worth of work all yeah. in. Yeah. And, uh, so, um so then I learned that, yes, and that's why I asked that question. 
move or improve. If somebody says, well, we're weighing this out to think if we're going to move or not, it's a consultation. It, there's a fee. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and, and they're then, and they're happy to pay it. Most people are happy to pay yeah. it. And, you know, I probably do 30 of those a year and yeah. um, they're very happy to pay it. And every, everybody is pleased. And, and if the they're result. not willing to pay it, then that says something else about them as well. So that also gives you some additional information. Right. They right. They want people to come out and provide free consultation, which, you know, we're, see, I, I explain it to folks like this. If, if it's a ballpark estimate and you just want to get a feel for a few different companies, I'll come out and I can do that within an hour and then help you make a decision whether maybe we're the folks you want to work with or not. If you want me to really dig in and spend some time with you, then that's that's something else. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode is supported by Travel by Design, an original podcast from Marriott Bonvoy Traveler. Behind the facade of every world-class hotel, there's a story waiting to be heard. Join host Hamish Kilburn as he meets the architects, the designers, and the visionaries who dive deep into the craft of design and connect us to the world's most extraordinary travel experiences. On each episode, Hamish chats with the creative mind behind a one-of-a-kind hotel to hear what inspired their concept, how they brought it to life, and what it's like to enjoy the space as a traveler. From a secluded overwater villa in the Maldives to a renovated royal palace in Budapest to a, to a trendy hotspot in downtown LA, if you're a designer who loves to travel to unique and inspiring locations or someone like me who just loves to learn the stories behind the designs of these special places, Travel by Design is the podcast for you. I just finished listening to the episode about Muir Halifax, a maritime-inspired luxury hotel in Nova Scotia. The husband and wife team of Alessandro Mung and Grace Zappelli, they shared their process and their precedence for the interiors, the furnishings, and the art collection. And they, they talked about how they integrated a unique one-of-a-kind autograph collection into their design. The conversation among Hamish, the editor of Hotel Design, so he brings his own unique perspective, the conversation between Hamish and the designers of this special place, they make you feel like you're there with them. In this episode that I just listened to, they talk about the history and the qualities of the seaside environment in which this hotel is located and the raw elements of Halifax that inspired the design and the precise details of the materials used, the, the way that the, the light comes through the window, the way the, the wood and the leather feel. The conversation was so interesting and most interesting because Alessandro and Grace had just returned to that hotel as guests. So they just experienced for themselves the beauty and the surprises that they purposely designed into their project. I love design, but, but even more, I love the stories about how designs came to be. This podcast not only inspires me as a creative, hearing the process other designers go through to create these unique one-of-a-kind experiences, but it also connects with me through the storytelling, as if each place was the backdrop of some exciting narrative that the travelers who visit experience. So check out Travel by Design. And if you're anything like me, I think it may find a new spot on your podcast playlist. Search for Travel by Design in your podcast player of choice, or just click the link in the show notes for this episode. And many thanks to Marriott Bonvoy and Travel by Design for their support. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. 
There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out our financials on our own is not one of those things. Luckily, we have FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business, from building and tracking invoices, to managing online payments, to organizing expenses, and automates them with features like the digital bills and a receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. It's also super easy to get up and running. And the award-winning FreshBooks support team, they are always available to answer any questions along the way. Compare that to some of the other financial management tools out there. Try FreshBooks for free for 30 days, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash architect. So what will you do with 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by rcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place until now. Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered, and the ingenuity it took to solve them. Join host Sharice Lakeside, aka CSI Kraken, a senior specifications writer at RDH Building Science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project. Detailed, an original podcast by ArtCat. Listen and subscribe right now at ArtCat.com slash podcast. That's ArtCat.com slash podcast. A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed, every building has a story. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So you go through this whole process. That's all first yes. phone call we were talking about up to this point. Um, that's the first. That's the first phone call. Yes, and now right. I'm now I'm on site. Right. So now now they said yes. You went through all that. They're like, "Yep, I still want to talk to you." You're like, yeah. "Yep, they're a good match for us." So you have that all figured out um, before you make that that visit. Now you go you go to the site. What happens when you're there? So what I do is the first thing I'll do is sit down and I review my notes together with them of what we discussed. So we, we review, we get refreshed and we're back on the same page. Um, then um, I want to review and document the existing conditions. So I have a checklist that I use. So I want to look at, I want to look at the power the plumbing, the heat. I want to know what exists in the house finishes um, and so forth. So um, it's, it's kind of the tasky part of it. And I tell them right up front, we're going to take care of this first. Then we're going to do the fun part. So we take care of that. And so uh, they'll show me around to the basement and I'll, I'll look around and I'll gather my checklist. You know, what type of foundation, what exists, what might we use for an, for the new uh, structure? Is the basement finished? Because whether a basement is finished or not can, can you know, significantly sure. impact what we have to do if we have to take apart that basement to work underneath. 
Um, and then I'm going to look at what we're going to have to do with this addition. And when we go to frame it, um, you know, how are we going to tie it in? What type of roofing do they have on the house? What type of windows do they have? Because all these things affect the budget. Uh, what type of windows are in the house? Exterior doors, siding greatly affects the budget from vinyl siding to cedar shake. You know, there's a, there's a big difference in cost for that. Um, and uh, is there any deck involved? Are we doing any kind of entry or, or a, a leisure deck or so forth? And then I want to look at their um, their plumbing. I want to see uh, what their main feeds are. How big are they? We're going to have to upgrade the plumbing if we're adding bathrooms. Do they have gas? Uh, their HVAC, their current systems they may have. And then I want to look at their electrical. I want to look at their panel and see if there's any available electricity there, or perhaps we're going to have to add a sub panel or upgrade the house. Uh, so this is during this walkthrough. It takes right. about, probably takes about 20 minutes or to 20 minutes or so of the visit to do this. Um, people love it though. I mean, they're into showing you around. I mean, we're working, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're hands-on rolling up our sleeves. So uh, they enjoy this part. And then I want to look at finishes. Uh, you know, what type of finishes, what type of casing, base, flooring, if there's cabinetry going in, what are their expectations for cabinetry, uh, finishes, countertops. And then at that point, um, I will, um, I'll reiterate the ballpark that I did on the phone, or I'll modify that based on kind of what we see. And, um, and then I'll say, okay, I think this is about where we're at. Do you want to proceed? You know, do you want to tentatively put a meeting on the books to sign on? And it'll be a yes or a no at that point. And because the next meeting is a signing meeting. But what I do is I do a two-step. I do a video call prior to that. So I said, we can have a video call. We'll review what I talk, what we talked about. And then at that point, you can say yay or nay. But we already have that meeting on the books. And we can just take it off the books. It's fine. Yeah. So, and you're, so you're doing lots of uh, expectation management, lots of uh, making sure they understand sort of ballpark understanding the size and scope and materials that you're going to be yeah. using. So you have enough information to to put together a preliminary budget for them. Yes. And, and, and I'll talk about that now is how do I go about that without using my multi-line spreadsheet? Because you know, my, my multi-thousand line spreadsheet, because when the, uh, once a plan is done, when I do a budget, that's from the bottom up. I mean, literally, you know, foundation framing every trade along the way uh, and your finishes and everything that's going to go into that. And that takes me, you know, a, a, a sizable job, take me eight to 12 hours to do one of those. But that's a real, that's a real finite budget for a contract. Prior to that, the art is doing estimating that gets you close enough that gives the client a good idea without getting yourself in trouble. Right. And, and so what the method that I use, um, it's kind of a block method and I'll walk you through it. Um, I also tell folks that, look, you probably have a 20% variable at this point. So you have to expect that. Right. It may not it's be not, because this is pre-design. Right? This is pre-design. Right. Yeah. So, but I can tell them, look, usually I need about 10% or so for the things I'm missing and another 10% or so for the things that you're going to want to add and change. Uh, and in general, I think I can get you within 20% with this ballpark. And, and usually we are, you know, usually I am. Um, so what I look at is just as you construct a project from the bottom up. So I look at the demo. 
oh, there's a there's a, an old garage we have to take down. Well, that's different than I just have to peel some siding off the house to put the addition on. Right. So I think that through, and that's a little bit of alchemy in my experiences. I'll throw a ballpark at that of what I think it is. Um, are we taking down any chimneys, any interior walls? And then are there, are there any kitchens or baths or, um, you know, areas that we're taking out of the interior? So then I look at square footage ballpark estimating. So now we've cleaned it out and we're ready to do what we're going to do. And uh, I have a, a saying, I said, the box is the box is the box. Not that anybody wants to design a box. <laughs> However, to build the structure, uh, start someplace. You know, if it's a simple rectangle or square, is it, um, and then what type of foundation is going to be required? Is it going to be piers, a crawl space, a full basement foundation, a slab? You know, that affects it. So I say, what is the base of that foundation? And then what are we building? So now when I look at that, I say, okay, how many stories? Is it one, two, three? Is it a garage with a room over? Is it a second story? Is it an existing structure? We're going to take the roof off and add a second story over that. And I have various models for that. And those models have a curve. Because the smaller they are, the more they are per square foot. The bigger they are, they get better. So it's kind of a minimum, and then it has to be a higher number if it's less, and maybe less as you get up into significant size structures. Um, so now we look at end dormers, right? So those are the structures we can build. You know, one, two, three, and then is it a dormer? And is a garage under or, or two, two floors of finished space? So just big picture. And then I have to look at um, what's going into it. So those questions that I asked early on, what type of siding, what type of windows, are they just vinyl windows in the rest of the house and we're going to go with those or are they, are they higher end, wood interior, you know, clad windows? Um, what type of heat? Uh, can I, can we extend and use what's there? You know, if it's water-based or are we putting in heat pumps or I, I have an idea of what I think we may do to supply heat and AC. And then where it gets a little tricky is what does it take to connect this structure to the building? Am I connecting it such that it's just attaching to the side of the building? Am I having to do a roof overlay because we're two stories up now and now I have to build another structure to tie the roof in together? Um, am I putting in any beams? So am I opening up the back of the house so the great room and the existing kitchen are all going to be one big space now? We're putting in a 24-foot uh, LVL beam or a steel beam. Um, so I look at that and I have a linear foot price for, for a beam, whether it's wood or steel. And so those are the components. I have I have the foundation, the box, skin the box, and then what does it take to tie in the box to what exists? That's right. the thinking. Yep. Um, and then um, interior. So now all that's put together. Now interior. Am I also moving some walls around? Any of those walls that are getting moved around, are they bearing or non-load bearing? Do I have to add beams for that? And then I have to add kind of a, uh, a you know, just a ballpark price to put all that back together. You know, maybe move some electrical around. So I'm not getting into outlet by outlet, but right. I'll look at it and say, yeah, that's about, you know, it's about 10K. Uh, that might be about 15 or 20K 
but based on how much of it is and just my experience. Um, and then kitchens, baths, and laundry. And those are just as units. A kitchen can range from, you know, A to Z in price, depending on how big it is and kind of what, what, um, what taste, what kind of taste they had and what they may want to put into it. Um, and so we have kitchens. So once we've built everything and we've got it configured and we've got it finished, are we putting any facilities in it? Yes, we're putting a kitchen in it and we're putting two baths in it. So I look at that kitchen and say, that's a $90,000 kitchen, give or take, based on how big I think it'll be and what I think they might like. I look at the bathroom and say, that bathroom's going to be at least 40 or 50 or whatever it is. And I just put those in as blocks with a quick description. It's, it's, a, it's a big, beautiful tile shower, glass enclosure, uh, two sinks and a toilet. Uh, that's X. Or it's a simpler bath or a bigger bath with a soaking tub. And so I have a range that I'll put in. I'll give the client uh, just a brief description of what will go in that bath. So that's the method of estimating and how, how I think through the project. Um, and it's enough. It's enough to give the client an idea of where they're headed. And then the, the actual numbers that you're using, is that's from experience and just understanding the market. Uh, yes. Now, um, you know, I do have, you know, we do have a, um, uh, uh, myself and my, my, my main client, we've developed a cheat sheet because we, we can look at these projects and say, you know, that was a crawl space foundation. How big was it? All right. Peel off the stuff that went into kind of tying it all in. What do we have? What do we have just to build the base structure finished? Right. right. That's about so, X per square foot. So you have some past numbers that you can you can evaluate to be able to understand what current market rates should be. And usually at least, you know, once a year, sometimes twice a year, we revisit that. Right. For sure. Especially um, now how things are fluctuating. Yes. I, I always, I always, uh, I refer to the, the lowly two by four. I use it as a, as a meter. <laughs> yes. A two by four was, um, was what under $3 before the, before the pandemic, it went up to about 1150 at one point, I think it's down to like four again or something, five, I don't know, something like that, 450. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of look at that to give me an idea where building materials are. But, you know, some building materials are still really high, you know, every, that's, and, and people ask me, well, you think things will come down? I said, I've never met a plumber in my life who has lowered their rates. So I wouldn't count on that. <laughs> yes. And so for architects <laughs> who are doing this process, going through this estimating, preliminary estimating yes. process, um, whether it's internal or something that they share, um, yeah. it they could do the same thing, and they can they can estimate the numbers, uh, and then and then compare it to the final project and see what the final project cost. And if you do that over and over and over again on every project, you start understanding what things cost because that's a question that architects ask often. It's like, how do I know what things cost? Well, sure. the same way a contractor knows, you do the work, you you figure out what things cost. Then you build it, and then you find out what the actual cost was, and you compare what you estimated to the actual cost, and you do that over and over again, and you get better at every time you do it. Yes, and, and yes, and you get you know historical information from the last project you did. Right, and and uh, and there is something. I mean, I have built uh, I have built little spreadsheets to do this over time, um, and um, you know it's something that I've been thinking about doing. Uh, the thing is, you have to update it. So I, I could I could I could build so you know a lot of it I can just do but I could build a spreadsheet that the methodology that I just gave you I could build something like that and you would have to 
look at it and say, okay, if a if a base if a base project uh, lowest end of construction, it's vinyl siding and vinyl windows. It's the, the simplest thing you can imagine. Okay, what's that? Now, if we skin it with uh, clapboard or cedar shingles, how many hundred square feet are there? And what's the you know what's the delta for that siding? Right. And if I take a vinyl window and I say, okay, I'm going to have ten windows. Well, then to bring it to a wood clad or more architectural series window then how much more would it be times 10 windows? And so I, I think that um, that's the methodology. And at some point I, I could probably build something that people could use, but they would have to, it would have to update it, you know, and I can't right. have every possible, there isn't every possible combination of yeah, for sure. everything and anything that could go into it. Yeah. Uh, some of it is just having, having a feel and, uh, and, and giving yourself that, that leeway to say, look, you know, this is not exact. You could still have a, up to a 20% variable. And so but that's pretty good to get it to that point that early. Right. When you, you know. present it to, to the client, um, are you presenting a number and say that, well, this number could be 20% either way, or do you add the 20% and present that number? No. So I'll, I'll add a little bit into it just to be, you know, just to give them a number that I think is pretty good. Yep. And then I'll say. And how much are you adding in? About ten percent, twenty percent? Yeah, about ten percent. So 10%. if I figure it all out by square footage, and then I add for the beams, and I add for this or yep. that, I might put another ten percent on top of it because all the things yep. that I can't, I haven't thought of yet. Right. Yep. Then from there, I say it could be up to twenty percent. Got it. That okay. that that almost always covers us, unless they they really uh, you know they really start adding things, and people do it all the time. Sure. Oh, right. we only have two hundred thousand to spend. And yes, then all of I've sudden, had many clients like that. <laughs> you know, then all of a sudden you're into it. And they spent three fifty, and they're yeah. just adding yeah. stuff like drunken sailors. It's wild, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I, you never, you never believe, uh, you never believe that. But you go into it conservatively, trying to address what it is they're doing. Be able to tell them, no, that's impossible to 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 make all this happen for that budget. Or, or yeah, it's within the realm of possibility, and then yeah. see where they take it. Right? I don't want to limit their thinking. So you present that estimate; they're yeah. still happy. They're like, yeah. "Oh, yep, we can do that. That works. That fits within our expectation." It's pretty yes. much what you originally told us, right? That's important yeah. too, right? That it's not too far off the original ballpark. Uh, um, that'll that'll keep the confidence. What do you yes. do after that? They're like, "Okay, we want to go forward." And then what's what do you do yeah. after that? So the next step is, and, and mind you, we, we had this already booked because when I'm at their house and we say, um, yes, I, I like what you're saying. I, we would like to take the next steps. I booked two meetings. One is a video call to do this video recommendation meeting. And the next, and we also booked a tentative planning retainer meeting. So, so at the time of the video call, if they say, great, we're ready to go, we've already got it booked. All set. I'll see you then. Now, what 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 I do um, and I suggest is that if you have a planning retainer, whether you be an architect or or a um, uh, or a contractor, that you give them a blank template prior. So when I meet with somebody and I send them a follow up email to say, "Hey, great meeting with you. Our next meetings are X Y Z." Um, and by the way, if in fact we do move forward. Take a look at this template uh, re retainer. It has all the language in there. You know, there's not, and I tell them just we'll cut and paste the details from the recommendation into it so it'll be custom to right. you. However, all the boilerplate, all the procedural, 
payments. And, that, and that's that. your contract. That's your planning contract. Yes, that that they have signed on. Uh, typically, we'll take ten percent. Uh, you know, but planning can be anywhere. It can be more than that, depending on what it is. But we'll take ten percent to start for the planning, and then um, and, and then, so they then the construction contract is a separate a separate contract. That's separate. That's what we've we've gone through. Now we've gone through the whole planning process. And now we run numbers based on a plan with a very detailed right. spreadsheet. And that that um, becomes a, a real quote. That becomes the final number. Yeah, that's yeah. the number we're gonna we're gonna produce the project for. Right. Um, and you give everybody a chance, you know, different trades to look at it and to come up with some firm numbers that the client can rely on. Um, so the planning retainer is, you know, that's just to say yes, we're working together. Uh, you know. We're going to take a 10% deposit, which is for planning. It's over and above the construction cost for planning. And we'll work off of that, you know. Very, so very interesting. I, that, I think that process is similar to probably what most architects do. The yeah. the, the numbers and the managing of expectations, the, the, um, the, the first phone call and how in-depth that is, is super helpful. Um, so we're not wasting time at a site visit. A lot of us will just take a call and say, yeah, we'll, we'll be there Thursday. And then you spend three hours there and it's not a good fit. You find out immediately, you ring the doorbell and you're like, oh, this is not going to work. Um, well, so yeah, you well, really ask yeah. the questions that you needed to ask uh, prior to that site visit. When you get to that site visit, you should know this is a project that you want. Yes, absolutely. Or, or it's maybe on the line, but you know that going right. in. You know, and you make a decision that I'm going to go look at it anyway, because I tend to go look at I never want to disrespect uh, uh, somebody that's calling in that I'm going out to represent. Uh, usually in the first call, the budget. Right. You know, I, I have people that say, oh, yeah, we want a new garage. And, you know, they expect it to be about thirty five thousand dollars. So there, you know, a, a small single a single car garage now is in the 80s minimum. So. So sometimes that ends it right, right then and their expectation was not anywhere near the market. So that's right. fine. So it's rare that you have to decline a client. It's usually through this process, they're sort of self-selecting that, that you're not a good fit, that, that the numbers they're sharing or the, the time commitment that's involved is not what they expected and they're not ready to proceed. Yeah, that, that or the timing of the company that I'm repping. I mean, a, a lot of folks now, you know, uh, a lot of folks now are out into late 23 into 24 before yeah. they can start another project. So, you know, sometimes that's a matter and it depends on the level of the company. A more premium company usually has more backlog, smaller outfits, they can get in sooner. So if, if that model of, of type company will work for a client, then, um, then sure, it wouldn't be a good fit for us because we're more of a premium company. Um, so yes, you can ring it out. And, you know, I will say, you know, there are many, many, many first calls that result in me not going. Yeah. Um, so Chris, do you have any suggestions? Because we're going to wrap up soon. What are the, sure. the um, any suggestions to architects who are looking for someone like you, right? Because we just went through a process that you go through. It gives yeah. some so our listeners some ideas on how they can do similar processes, build a process like this, this onboarding initial client contact uh, process. Yes. Super interesting. But if they wanted to work with you, right, and, yes. and they didn't want to do that estimating, they want somebody else to do it, whether yeah. it's you or somebody else. Sure. Uh, what are some of the what are, it, are there things they can do 
um, to prepare for that to help you? Um, yeah, I would say that. Uh, so with the architects that I have worked with to do to help, you know, to help them in this process, um, usually as a minimum, there's at least a at least a concept. You know, we, 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 we need to build them a, a kind of a great room family room. Yep. And we'd like to open up the, the back of the house, the kitchen into that with a new kitchen. So there's at least kind of a framework of what the project may be. Um, and that and some pictures, and if there has been an initial, at least a floor plan. So if I have a floor plan and some pictures, that's usually enough for me to get the ball yeah. rolling. I don't need a full set of plans at that point. In fact, it could be a hand sketched little floor plan, right, you know, right. just, just enough that I get a sense of scale, uh, that I can do some of that, use that method to do some ballparking. The other thing is the checklist, you know, it is good for me to know, the siding, the heat, the electrical. Right. There's a hand. There's a few things. You don't have to do the complete uh, a walkthrough that I do, but but I have done that with architects where I've given them the list and said, "Well, if you're going there, make sure we know what these things are." Right, right. Because they could come up, you know. Yeah, yeah. So for you, do you work with? Because um, you're based in Massachusetts, do you yes. work only in Massachusetts, or do you work anywhere that somebody could could connect with you? Sure. I mean, I'm I'm licensed in Mass, and currently I only work in Mass. And as a as a licensed contractor, which you know, my license I don't really use because I'm not pulling permits and managing projects. However, um, I could work outside of Massachusetts. I think I would have to get a feel for, um, I would have to get a feel for what's going on in that market. Right. The market rates well, are different. Yeah, it's different. I mean, if you're doing this down south. You know, it's different than here in New England, certainly. I mean, there's a very expensive market or in, you know, California being a very expensive market right. from the Midwest. Um, so I would kind of have to get a, a feel for that. It would take me a little research to to build a model that would work in that market. But I'm, I'm sure I could if I put yeah. all the time. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, well, if listeners are interested in talking to you, they can they can reach out to you. Your website is cpsti.com. Yes. Um, you also your email. You, you offered to share your email if anybody has any questions, chris at cpsti.com. We'll have links to that on the show notes. Um, right. Chris, before we wrap things up, I'd love to ask the final question that I ask everybody. Sure. Um, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Um, I think you touched on it earlier, which is... Uh which is to to do as good a job as possible of of pre-screening the folks that you're going to go visit and then potentially work with because we've all gone through it where we've screened somebody and still they end up being a nightmare you know so the more of that the more of that that you can do up front um i think i think is important and um do your best to get a handle on some kind of budget right. that, because I hear the story, you know, I've heard the stories that, you know, the architect led us to believe they thought it would be X and it's really Y and it's 50% more than what they thought. And um, so whatever you can build yourself or use people like me, or if you have a, a beloved contractor in your market who you say, Hey, look, I mean, I, I have uh, one of my architectural clients builds me into their, initial feasibility budget so that I'm, I'm already there. Uh, so if you have a beloved contractor in your market, say, look, 
I'll pay you for your time. Because what happens a lot of the time is, you know, you, you try to get some numbers from people and they're real busy and there's no commitment they're going to get the project. Right. So, so you know, how much how much time are they going to spend? How deep are they going to dig in? So um, I, I would say that's that's something to do, too. I mean, certainly you can hire someone like me, but if you have, um, you know, contractors that you work with regularly, see if they'd be willing to take a fee to give you a, a couple hours or so to sit and review projects and give you some numbers, you yeah. know, with the understanding that if it if it comes through, they'll get the work as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and build that into your budget. So it's, so you have yeah. the money from the, the client to be able to pay that contractor or estimator and just build it into that preliminary process of your architecture process. It's not a lot. I mean, you know, if it's uh, if somebody charges 150 an hour for their consultation time and they spend three hours, you know, if you look at the overall budget and you spend four or five hundred dollars right. up front to, to avoid, you know, the pitfalls later, which cost you a lot more in time aggravation and everything yeah. else. Um, then, uh, you know, it can be worth it. Getting the numbers right is so important. You get them wrong and you have unhappy clients and and unhappy clients are not good. And happy clients bring you more happy clients. <laughs> right. So so if you oh. if you serve your clients well and you manage their expectations and at the end of the job, they're happy because the expectations were met, which is really the key. Yes. Um, they refer you to their friends and they give you, they, they send that trust with them. Um, and, uh, and you end up with other happy clients and your life, you make more money that way. You have more fun that way. You build better projects that way. Uh, and so managing expectations, getting that preliminary number, right, is so important. Uh, Chris, thank you for coming by here and sharing your knowledge. His name is Chris Previtt. The company is success techniques incorporated. Uh, the website again is cpsti.com. The email is chris at cpsti.com. We'll have links to all of that. Chris, thank you. I appreciate Thanks, you Mark. for coming by and sharing your process, being so transparent. It's been, it's, it's, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of listeners right now who are, are busily taking notes and putting together their own process to help them through this process. So thank you. And thanks Excellent. for coming by and, uh, and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Mark. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. I know I say this every episode. I hope you're doing it. I hope you do it right now because that's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands more architects just like you. Share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Thank you to RCAT. FreshBooks, and Travel by Design for their support of this episode. Go check them out. Links to all our sponsors and all the resources that we discussed today are available on the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. It's the network dedicated to architects, engineers, and construction pros. Go listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And before we wrap up, a special thank you to our partners at Graphisoft for helping our community of architects make the transition to BIM with ArchiCAD software. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash EntreeArchitect to see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. Visit graphisoft.com slash US slash EntreeArchitect to learn more. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage. Love, learn, 
and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.